We want to thank the Lord that that uh, God has given Scott Davis a new name. His name is Scott Duncan. <laughs> I know he's been thinking ever since he met me, boy, I sure want to be like him when I grow up. <laughs> I don't know many people who say that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been at that wedding in Cana of Galilee? Word comes that the wine is about to run out. Jesus is there. Mary goes over and says, Jesus, the wine's about to run out. And he says, woman, what's that got to do with me? Then she walks out and she says, the servant's Whatever he says, you do it. Here are six 20-gallon water jugs that is used for ceremonial cleansing. They wash their hands before they eat. They wash their hands after they eat. They wash their hands before they eat. It's not for cleanliness. It's for ceremony. It's for show. And Jesus said, fill them up. Fill them up to the brim I imagine those servants thought, man, we're going to have a foot washing, aren't we? They fill them up. How long did it take to put 120 gallons of water? I don't think they had a hose there. Have you ever thought, how long did it take? I don't know. So they fill them up. And then the servant dips a cup, takes it to the, the host, and he says, he said, Man, this is the best stuff we've got. This is the best. This is the best. And he says, why did you wait till last to give the best? You're supposed to give the best first. Now, that's a wonderful miracle. Wouldn't that be something that happened this morning? I bet they're having to make tea downstairs. But you see, we think, wow, to see Jesus do that. Well, that's not going to happen this morning. And that was not happening just to show how Jesus could turn water into wine. You see, that had a symbol. Those water pots were filled with water in order that they could go through a ceremony. Jesus said when he filled those pots full of wine, there's a new thing happening. I'm coming to tell you about a new thing. We're not going to put old wine or old water in the pots anymore. We're talking about new wine, the wine of life. Those, those, that water washed the outside. Jesus said, I'm, gonna get, I'm bringing something that's going to do something about the inside. So when we look at miracles, let's not just see the miracle. We say, why did Jesus do it? He started off by, by saying that first miracle, I want you to know that I'm bringing a new thing. It's not an old thing. But then Last week, how would you like to have been with Jesus in that crowd when this leper comes in in, 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 in focus? And everybody's scattering. He bows and he says, oh, Lord, have, you know, heal me. You can heal me if you will. And Jesus heals him. You can stand there and you can see fingers start to grow. Ears start to grow. Noses that a nose is probably perhaps almost rotted off. And he says he becomes whole. 
Well, that's wonderful to see. What, what we, well, let me tell to see it this morning. Well, that was to say Jesus, Jesus wanted us to know he's one who's filled with compassion. And however, what kind of an outcast you are, he said, I've come to take care of outcasts. I've come to deal with whatever you think is great, it's impossible. Jesus said, I've come to deal with that. And then we come this morning in the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read about Jesus again. Chapter 2 of Mark. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home, so they gathered that there was no room left, even outside the door, as he preached the word unto them. What did Jesus tell that leper to do? He said, go don't tell anybody what I've done. But the leper goes out and he tells everybody. And what happens is they start, when they hear about it, the miracle. We're going to come here. We're going to go see some miracles. We're going to see some miracles. That's why Jesus said, don't go telling about this. Because I didn't come just to do miracles. I came to talk about the kingdom of God that's inside of us. The kingdom of God that needs to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he said, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And then when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said in the paralytic, Rise. No, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't come there to get sins forgiven. They brought him there so he could walk again. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's the whole story. They hit it nail on the head. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is doing this miracle not only to help the man, but to say a miracle of miracles is I can forgive sins. Only God can do that. I'm God come here on earth to stay among you. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said unto them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up and took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this. The thing that is that is still the same today. Not the turning water into wine. Not the healing of the, the leper. Not the forgiving of sins. But the thing that is, say, is still the same today is that same Jesus is 
right here. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just think, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, is right here. We didn't come together to critique the music or critique the sermon. We didn't come together to see what another person was wearing or even come to show off on what we're wearing. We didn't come today. We've come today. Our purpose today is somehow to have fellowship with Jesus. With Jesus. Jesus said he performed not many miracles in places because they just wanted to see the miracle. But he didn't perform miracles just to perform miracles. John tells us in the 20th chapter, verse 30, 31, that these miracles were signs. They were not pointing to the miracle. They were pointing to the one who was doing the miracles. And the thing that is unique today is we, we, can, we can pray, well, I wish I could see that miracle. I wish I could experience that miracle. Well, you might not be able to experience that miracle, but by the power and grace of God, you can experience Jesus. Not only can we, but God expects us to. That's what he wants. And one of the things that really has driven home in my own heart personally is, as I've been studying through the miracles is, is that, that the one thing that probably keeps us from joying in the Lord is that we joy in the things that Jesus talked about. It didn't, he didn't come to get us to, to, his teachings are important, but his teachings are not what saves it is Jesus who saves. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. If we, if we forsake Jesus and, and we only look at the facts about him and blend into society, then we have no more than Judaism. We have no more than, than the other religions. The thing that's different about us and, and, and the rest of the world is, is that we don't, we don't follow rules. We don't follow regulations. We don't follow even theology. Theology is just a study of God. We live by God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have good theology. We should not have good beliefs. But folks, Jesus said in his word that there are those who, they will even believe and tremble but they don't have that relationship with God. If we de-emphasize Jesus, we pass on nothing but facts and beliefs. And folks, it is impossible in the second generation to keep facts and beliefs exciting. But whenever we pass on Jesus Christ, you see, as someone who says, God has no grandchildren. We are his children and whenever, and whenever he comes into our lives personally, there, there are changes. God comes to live in us through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And when he lives in us, he lives in us just as real as he was doing these miracles there in Jesus' day. But we don't recognize that. We don't recognize that. He makes the difference. He makes the difference. No wonder Paul could say, rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say, rejoice in the commandments. All they were were burdensome. Or rejoice in the laws. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Maybe that's the reason we have such hard time rejoicing. Is we're trying to rejoice in the wrong thing. 
The Word of God is important. I, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the miracles, the Word points us to Jesus. Points us to Jesus. Not principles. I love Dr. Henry Blackaby's material called Experiencing God. He talks about, when he's writing, he said, talks about seven realities. Reality is different than a principle. We don't live by principles. We live by faith, by the Son of God. It's not theories. It's not analysis. It's not definitions. Because, you see, theories, analysis, definitions, teachings will not bring us a passion for anything. Let's, for example, we're trying to explain to this young man what love is. Oh, we use all these terms, you know, what, this is love, and this is love, and this is love. And he said, well, don't you see it out there? Don't you see it out there? And, and he doesn't understand. He, he doesn't get excited about that. He doesn't get excited about facts. He can read about, you know, girls that are, are uh, 5 foot 4, 38, 24, 36, you know. You can give all the dimensions and, <laughs> well, that's a pretty good sized girl. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> But, he, you know, he can read all the dimensions and, and you know, he can have the sermons preached or he can have people talk, reading love poetry. But one day, <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? One day, this young man, he sees a girl. And he just cannot keep his eyes off her. And he gets to know her. And one day, one day he gets to hold her hand. And then after about the fifth date, <laughs> first date, second date, she kisses him. Now I want to tell you what. He knows all about love. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? It can't be explained. It must be experienced. And this is the thing about the Christian life. You can't explain it. Jesus didn't come to give explanations. He came giving revelation. He came to tell the good news. The good news. The good news. Not the bad news. He came to tell the good news. And that's why Jesus is doing this healing and performing miracles. He wants us to know the kind of man he is. He wants us the kind of God that he is. Paul wrote in, in the church, to the church in Corinth. He said, why is it that I keep the joy that I have in my heart? Why is it that I just can't give up? Why is it that, that even when I go before kings, even when I go before Caesars, even when I go before a mob, I, I, I can still rejoice? Why is it that I can rejoice even when I'm in prison? Why can I rejoice even when I'm in prison? Because he said, the love of Christ constraineth me. He didn't say, my love for Christ, but Christ's love for me. is when I realize what Christ has done for me. When I realize what he's done for me. He said, it is that that causes me to move on. It's that that holds me back. It's that that turns me to the right. That that turns me to the left. 
And I'm convinced with all my heart the reason, the reason we don't have joy in the Lord, we don't realize who Christ really is. We don't really realize who that Jesus is. He, is. he is and was the Messiah. He's Son of God. We don't really realize that, as, as um, Paul tells us, that we're joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, what does it mean, joint heirs? If I'm joint heir, it means I have the same he has. I have the same relationship he has. We're joined together, joined together. We're, we have a joint relationship with Christ. Why is it that, that he talks about that, when he talks about that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Also, why did um, Peter say that he talks about, said, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. Why did the word say that we are more than conquerors what through Christ who loves us? It also, the word says there is now for no condemnation, no separation. And so we go through and we see who we are, what we have in Christ. It causes us to rejoice, causes us to rejoice. Many times um, when God uses miracles, he uses individuals or uses people. We find that, that Paul... He said, um, even, even God uses different and number of times of folks even to bring people to salvation. Paul says, I planted and Paulus watered, but God gives the increase. And so in this, in this uh, uh, miracle this morning, we have, four, we have four men. We have four men. This, this, these men, they are a friend to a paralytic. Wouldn't you like to have friends like this? We find that Jesus is going to perform the miracle. But you see, he could not have performed that miracle had those men not come to that house. They knew that they had to get him to Jesus. They knew that that friend had a need. And they knew they needed to bring him to Jesus. And they were, they were convinced and concerned that they were going to do it regardless of what was going to happen. They were persistent. They were persistent. And so today, perhaps the reason that we don't see miracles is that we're not cooperating with God. You know how people are saved is we bring people to the Lord. We don't bring people to salvation. Salvation, we bring them to Christ Jesus, and through that is salvation. And so as we look at this miracle, the wonderful thing is not just that the, the paralytic is made, uh, has the ability to walk, and that his, certainly the greatest miracle was the forgiveness of sin. Let's start right there to begin with. Jesus knew that this man... There was something in his background that caused this sin or this, this uh, problem. This, he, he, in Jesus' day, the belief was that anybody who has a physical problem is because of sin. Well, and, and ultimately it is. All of our physical illness has to do with sin. Not ours, maybe necessarily, but Adam and Eve. We're, we have that Adamic nature. So all sickness, it was not God's will that there be any sickness. There would be no pain. There would be no suffering. It was God's will it to be perfect, but man sinned. And so all sickness in, in essence is part of, uh, of sin. All uh, sickness is part of sin in, in generality. But in Jesus' day, they believed that everything. Now today, we got it to the other side. We say, no, no sickness is, is part of sin. Well, somewhere between all sickness is part of sin and no sickness is part of sin, there has to be some reality. I would believe, and I confess to you today, I don't believe that every time somebody gets sick, it's because of sin. 
But I will submit to you that there are many people who are sick because of sin. We find even uh, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he tells about the Lord's Supper. He said, many of you have partaken unworthily. And he said, and for that reason, many of you are sick and have even died. And so this morning, let's come to realization is that I can't tell you if what you're dealing with is because of sin. But I can tell me most of the time what I'm dealing with is because of disobedience. Now, I'm not saying that, that if we become totally obedient, Lord, we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, I am saying that Jesus knew that there was something that, was hap- that happened in this man's life that caused him to be a paralytic. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. That man needed to hear that. He didn't say, whoa, wait a minute, I've not sinned. Jesus knew that something needed to happen in that man's life in order for the healing to take place. And there are those today who will say to us, for example, uh, I went to, had, had, a, had an endoscopy some years ago and a colonoscopy some years ago. And they found out with that endoscopy that, that I had two ulcers. And you know, the, the doctor started questioning me. He started questioning, tell me a little bit about your schedule. And I told him a little bit about my schedule. And he said, uh, Mr. Duncan, or Reverend Duncan, it's not what you've been eating, it's what's been eating you. He said, you need to change some of your lifestyle. Now, I can give you some medicine, but there's some things that, that you're going to you're gonna have to lay aside. You can't carry everybody's problems around on your shoulders. If you do, it's going to be in your guts, and your guts are going to react, and your stomach's going to have ulcers. Going to t- now, now, I'm not saying every time everybody has an ulcer. It's because uh, disobedience. But I am saying that, that we are a trichotomy. We are mental, physical, and spiritual. And Jesus talked about, he, he talked about the whole clean, the wholeness. He came to, to make us whole. And so this morning, Jesus, he had these, these four men brought this man. They had the same mind, they had the same motive, and they had the same motion. Had the same mind, they wanted to bring this man. They had the same motive, and they had the same motion. They didn't simply get together and start praying for him. They brought him to Jesus. I was thinking as I was studying this this past week again, is it wouldn't it be something if in if, if in congregations, because there's Jesus is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us there's some things that we can do in groups that we can't do individually. What is it? Ecclesiastes says that, you know, one one stick by itself can be broken, but when it's bound together, it's hard to break. There's something about that. Even something Jesus sending out the what, disciples two by two. But I was thinking, what if at Northside Baptist Church women would get in groups of four. Men would get in groups of four. And as you prayed, men, you'd think, who is it that's without Jesus Christ? What man do we know who needs Christ? Who needs Christ? And they start praying about it. They start talking about it. 
And they start thinking, what can we do? What can we do to let that man know that God loves him? And then they start working together. They come up, they come up with some plans. And God uses their plans. And this person hears the gospel. And they come to know the Lord. Do you think that four men concentrating on one man, lifting him before the Lord, and doing whatever you can to share? Do you think that there would be any people come to know Jesus? I think so. I think so. Often, often we look at this miracle, often we don't have a plan. We don't have a plan. These four men didn't try to bring everybody in Capernaum to Jesus. But they brought one man. They brought one man. And Jesus forgave his sins. And Jesus healed him. I was looking at this, and I underlined, Jesus' plans were interrupted. He didn't go there to heal this man. And he didn't, however, when his plans were interrupted, he didn't get frustrated. Haven't you found out that often your plans have been made, you have it all planned out, and something happens different? It might be frustrating at times, but then later on you say, wow, the interruption was more of God's will than my plan. And we find, as you look throughout the scriptures, most all of Jesus' life was a life of interruptions. His life was, he'd be starting here and he'd come to the woman at the well. What did he do? He'd say, huh, might as well go home. This is not what I planned. No, Jesus let his interruptions be used by, by the Lord. But the most thing I want to see is, is thank God for the miracle of the man being healed. But the most important thing is that his sins were forgiven. Because you see, forgiveness of sin meets the greatest need costs the greatest price, brings the greatest blessings, and it has the most lasting results. You might be sick this morning, physically, and you might be healed perfectly. But as sure as this world stands, someday you're not going to get well you're going to die. The Bible says it's appointed unto man, not just to man, but generic. It's appointed unto people once to die. And after that, the judgment. You might be healed physically, but you will die physically someday unless Jesus returns. But I'll tell you one thing. Whenever you are forgiven of your sins and you become a believer in Jesus Christ and you're part of his family, it will never cease. That forgiveness of sin was met the greatest need in that man's life. It costs the greatest price. It brings the greatest blessing and has the most lasting results. He knew this man needed forgiveness. That's what, that's what the miracles is pointing us to Jesus. He is one who brings something new. It's a new wine. Behold, as I make all things new, he brings us to, to us compassion, and he gives compassion, causing us to be people of compassion. And then he comes to bring us in this miracle a realization that we can be forgiven. 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 Most beautiful word.
is forgiven forever. That same Jesus that was there, Capernaum, and in other places, is here this morning. His Holy Spirit is moving in and out among us. And his question be, what is your need today? What is your need today? Is it need for forgiveness? Have you carried around a sense of guilt for so long? You know why God has us to feel guilty? It's because we are. But he causes us to feel guilty so that we can drive him to the one who forgives sins. Isn't that wonderful? He called, he, he, what did he say to the children of Israel? He, he, in wilderness, he, he caused them to hunger and then he fed them. The same God who causes us to have a sense of guilt is the same one who's ready to say, Come unto me, all, 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 all. <clears throat> Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord? Sing it with wonderful. Eyes have seen, ears have heard, it's recorded in God's word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? No wonder the prophet said his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince. Father, I thank you this morning as we look at the scriptures and as we see the life of Jesus. Thank you that he does those things that would point us to him. I know this morning that there need to be miracles in our life. Perhaps some of them are physical, some of them are emotional, some of them are mental. But Father, we know the greatest need that anyone has here in this worship center is a need for forgiveness. And thank you, Father, that Jesus came for that very reason, is to forgive us of our sins. I thank you that we have that sense of peace that is real. We have a peace that the world didn't give, and it's a peace that the world can't take away. And so I pray today, I pray today that, that there would be some men who here would, uh, would have a sense of burden about somebody and get together and begin to pray and to seek and do something uh, maybe drastic in order to see somebody come to Jesus. Father, I thank you that the greatest thing we can do is to bring people to Jesus. And I pray that would be the desire of our heart. And Lord, that's what we wanted to do this morning. We wanted to magnify Jesus. We want to lift up his name. We want to lift up him before the people. And you tell us in your word, as Jesus, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so I pray that He's been lifted up, and now as we come to a time of decision, that even there where we stand or where we'll sit or whether we come down front or not or kneel here to walk altar, I pray, Lord, that if there's one who, who has whatever the need, we believe that Jesus can fulfill that need. But if there's one here especially who has the guilt of unforgiving sin, they would know that peace and that forgiveness before they leave today. Perhaps, Father, there might be some here today who want to be a part of this fellowship and they know this is where they need to be. Perhaps there's some who need to rededicate their life. I pray that they'll do it this morning. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.